podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. State of Minds, we're international, we're continental, we've got Kevin from Hungary, Sean from Australia and later on we'll have Liam from Japan and um, as is customary under these circumstances, Sean, normally we would be celebrating and we'd be popping the cork, um, so all the way over in Australia, Celtic fans will be celebrating and some of them are going to be doing it live on the stream, so feel free to, uh... there we go. As well. He's done, this a few do. times. He's done this a few times. And Celtic, <laughs> Celtic have done it 115 times. This is our 115th major trophy. You never, ever get tired of it. You never, ever take it for granted. Um, and cheers. That's it. A cheers from Dalkeith to Australia and also <laughs> Japan as well. Liam, is uh, Liam still drinking out his Yoda mug? That's what everybody wants to know. Oh, uh, no, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I, I drank through most of it in the second half there with the nerves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to start off with that point that you made at half time, Liam, because you actually said that you seen a bit of nervousness in that first half and you take it for granted because this is a team that has been so successful, but you know, at the same time, we are a relatively new team as such. Um, mm. But those nerves, I didn't see them in the second half. Not as new as the team fair across Glasgow, but, you know, we'll, we'll leave that <laughs> aside. Um, but uh, the uh, the, fun, the the thing which really hit home for me was how settled we became once that first goal went in. We started mm-hmm. strutting, we started streaming passes together. I mean, in the build-up to that, about a minute before the second goal, I counted, we strung like 20-plus passes together without Hearts even touching the ball. You know, that that just wouldn't have happened in the first half. We just did not have that fluency. And yet, all it takes is one wee bit of magic, one goal, and it's amazing how it can completely turn your your entire game around. No, you're right. And and the chat going into that, albeit, um, to be honest with you, I think that the second half looked completely different. But the chat was, again that, um, you know, Hearts were containing us pretty well, even though they were down to the 10 men. I was looking at the 65-minute mark. I'm thinking, is it time for a change? Uh, we we spoke about when the changes would come. We spoke about that at halftime. Um, and with 60 minute, 67 minutes rather on the clock, we get the breakthrough. We were talking at halftime, Kevin, about uh, Callum McGregor and how often he just takes the game, takes control of it, and he does something, be that, you know, um, a tackle or winning a battle in the midfield. On this occasion, it was a fantastic through ball to Atate, who um, I don't think had his best first half, to be honest with you, but that one contribution was sublime. That pass hit TBN's perfect, and it was. Mm-hmm. And then Kyogo's finish was so tight, it was, it was so well taken. There was almost a delay. There was almost a delay with the commentary team um, after it had gone in. The Celtic fans behind the goals knew exactly what had happened, though. Yeah, you're watching that goal and I wasn't sure if he'd maybe knocked it just wide or something like that because, like you're saying, 
he's hit the shot and there's this three, four second delay between that and the commentary team acknowledging it's gone in. So was it have I just celebrated prematurely here? But um ah, brilliant goal, brilliant goal. And that is that goal for me from the Callum McGregor side is everything that he's about for us as the captain. Because we spoke about him at half time. He was the one that was doing things for us in the first half. He was the one driving us forward, getting a foot in the ball. Um, I've got very little notes from minute 46 to minute 65 of that second <laughs> half because nothing yeah. was really going on. One of them is, though, we need to think it over the top because they were kind of compressing the game a wee bit. You could see that Jota was getting space, but the ball just wasn't coming. Starfield tried it a few times and couldn't, couldn't pull it off. McGregor's the man you want to do that. He gets the one chance, mm. gorgeous ball over the top. It's just unbelievable. The weight in it, everything, perfect. Hatati really poor up until that point. His one moment, and this is why you've got Hatati in the side, because he will provide one moment of magic in every game. And you'll say it's just a square ball, but again, he's got to get it just right. And Kyogo, you know he's making that run. It's an Ange Postacoglu goal. And so is the second one. Because it's it's the same, but on the other side, it's the ball into the near post and O's there. You just know he's there. It's mm-hmm. a brilliant goal, the first one. And then, again, like Liam said, as soon as that goes in, whatever nervousness was there, it's gone. And for the rest of the game, it's pretty plain sailing. Um, and hey, champions again, ole ole. It flowed so much better. Uh, Sean, how's that champagne going down, mate? It's good, man. It's uh, organic from South Australia. I'm enjoying it. It's, I love uh, it. Tasting a bit champion. I just when you guys were talking about Kyogo there, I was just thinking about it. Like the goal that he has scored, like uh, Liam when we were in Sydney, and like you see that chance where he's through on goal and against Everton, and he, he, he absolutely fluffs it. And it's like since uh, like kind of February January, he's absolutely clicked, and like just like everything is going in for him. And that's him now on thirty goals for the season, fifty for Celtic, and. Uh, I'm hoping he's turned out. Like I was, I was honestly ready to get shot of him at some point when he missed that chance against Aberdeen. Uh, I can't remember if it was just before or just after. I think it was just after the World Cup, and uh, yeah. he's absolutely clicked since then. And uh, he's, I'm hoping to see him be absolutely banging it in in the Champions League next year. Uh, but one thing I do want to, I, I'd like to open up a debate here because uh, I kind of this has kind of been uh, backburner since 1998. Does it count as Kyogo scored the goal that won the league, or does it count as O scored the goal that won the league? Because this is the whole Larson Bratback debate all over again. That's a, that's a good point because um, I think that you know the the week before that game you were referencing there we were at East End and Simon Donnelly scored the goal, didn't he? And we're winning one nil. Exactly, but it's like Donnelly to this day. I think he's thinking to himself, I could have like etched my name into the history books. He's obviously in there, but being the guy that scored the goal. But when it's 2 0, I'm going to, I'll probably throw this out then, Liam. When it's 2 nothing, um, you know, Bratback gets loads of credit for that goal. But as Sean's just rightly pointed out, obviously we won 2 0 and both goals clinched the league. Um, Henrik settled the nerves that day. And then Bratback scored that decisive second. We really did need that. They had some good chances that day. And it was a wee bit like that today as well. I just think, you know, Kyogo settles the nerves and, oh, it's the icing on the cake. But who do you remember as scoring the goal that wins the league, Liam? Um, no, I mean, I think, I think another element to that is what else did the player do 
at Celtic aside from that goal. And I think Henrik Larson's not too fussed about Harold Bratback taking most of the credit there because as much as I love Harold Bratback, ultimately that was the highlight of his Celtic career. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Kyogo has done tremendous things all season with Celtic and last season as well. Oh, I hope will do that in the fullness of time, but he hasn't done it yet, um, although he's looked good every time he's played. Uh, so today I'm quite happy for, to give all the credit because I think Kyogo has already, you know, he won the League Cup almost single-handedly last year and he, you know, did his part in the League Cup again this year and uh, I think that, you know, Kyogo is going to win us a lot more trophies in the future and uh, let, let, let's give all the, the credit for today, I think. Was it yourself that was saying that at half time you wanted to score a decisive goal? I think it was yep. yourself. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing, and I just to touch just to touch on that, the second goal was it just that goal validated the entire substitution thing because you Absolutely. had to Moy to O to the back of the net. That's yeah. just it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. No, you're right, and it's a good point because, like, if, if the first goal uh, showed you that we should not make knee-jerk, rash substitutions at halftime, whatever, because at 67 minutes in, we've not made a substitution. Two of the players that are probably not having their best game in Hatati and Kyogo are pivotal to obviously the first mm. goal, and then the second goal is all about the changes, Sean. So Aye. I mean, we say it time and time again. Thank God, Andrew's a gaffer, but. Um, as, as a football fan, sometimes you get a wee bit tetchy at half-time if you've not made that breakthrough. He showed belief in his players and that was paid off. But then, when we make the changes, these guys come in and make a contribution as well. Yeah, man, it was... Yeah, definitely. And we were called... I was surprised how long it was going before we made the changes and, and then I was actually a little bit panicked as well when Kyogo was sitting on the pitch. I was like, oh no, we've got, you know, Ibrooks next week and Scottish Cup final and all those things. But... Uh, yeah, there was even it was weird because even after after I don't know if it was because the goal lifted us, but even after when when the subs came on, even players like Maeda were had that extra yard that they didn't have in the first half. So I I don't know I don't know if it's a mentality thing or something, but uh, yeah, we we were, were much better. I think I honestly feel it was a goal maybe that rather than the subs, but it could be all of them to be honest. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to that point Liam made at halftime, but. You know, nervousness and, and no playing um, with that freedom and the expression that we uh, tend to expect from Angie's team. But we did see it after the goal went in. So it's obviously like, you know, removed the shackles a wee bit, I think. Peter uh, Caloyero, that's four trophies so far under the management of Mr. Postacoglu. And of course, he could be making it five with the final game of this season. By the way, uh, let's have a quick check of the league table because, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're having a, a quick look at the, the league table because there is another game ongoing at the moment and Rangers ah, have just taken, scored, yeah. they've just taken the lead 60-odd minutes into the game. So, yeah, we're, we're league champions. But for a spell there, we were 15 points ahead and it just shows you about this, all this chat, Kevin, we've seen it all week leading into this game about gaps and, you know, people are still trying to convince themselves and they're given mainstream platforms this week to convince people the gap's not that wide. Celtic are going for a domestic treble. The gap's as wide as it's been for a while. And this is even when we were doing the quadruple treble. You know, Andrew's come in and he's just 
Within two years, he's turned everything around. He's taken us from being a team that we were speaking about before the game when we were talking about Callum McGregor and feeling sorry for him going in front of the press because nothing was going right in that season. He's taken it from that low ebb to one where we were one poor performance last season away from going for a treble and this season we're going for it again and we're one game away from winning it. The turnaround has been unbelievable. And yeah, the gap, it's getting wider and wider. And um, it's not just on the pitch. You can see it. It's as yeah. Alan Morrison always says, and he's, he's completely right. We've got 10,000 extra season tickets being sold every season. That's X amount of millions more every season that we're ahead of them. Cheers, we Fergus. You know, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy that was booed when he came in to fly the flag one year, was he not, Fergus? It's a foresight, Kev. To build Absolutely. a 60,000-seater stadium when we were where we were at that time. And you look at the average he, attendances for the previous 10 seasons and he builds a 60,000-seater stadium. Mm-hmm. When we were struggling to fill probably 20,000 20, into Celtic Park in the years before, he just knew, didn't he? And if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be sitting here today having this kind of conversation. And I think I was saying this probably this time last year when it was me and Kevin Graham that did the game against Dundee United when we won the league, that it's... Every moment like this we have from now on, it's all down to Fergus McCann because he's the man that had the vision to put us ahead of Rangers. Um, and we have not looked back from that moment onwards. So every every title, cheers, Fergus. That's for you. Listen, every single title has got to be celebrated and Sean has started the celebrations. But in fairness to you, Sean, it's night time over there, right? Where are you? It's, uh, nine? Yeah, it's 11, it's 11.30 p.m. here, actually. Uh I've just got the, the kind of split screen going here with uh, chatting to you guys and I'm watching the, the Celtic players celebrate. They're taking their turns to, to go to the fans and do the... Do, 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 do. Bernabe was just up a minute ago. Postacogo has got such a massive smile, such a big smile that his crow's feet have basically turned into like a, a granny's armpits rather than crow's feet. <laughs> So yeah, they're 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 lapping it up. They're still on the pitch. Joe Hart, hundredth appearance. Kyogo, fifty goals for Celtic. They're, yeah. it's a it's a big day, big day. It is, and you know, days like today galvanise it even further. You know, last season, I think when you looked at that as well, you had a collection of players because I remember Tom Rock, Roderick said it brilliantly about, you know, we've, we've been in situations like this for the best part of a decade and he, and he got that because the squad was were a squad of winners. But when Ange comes in, it was a, a fragmented team and the players, the amount of players we had to bring in from all quarters um, hadn't as a team been a team of winners. So every single time we get a, another trophy in the bag, you're galvanising, you're turning the team uh, that group of players uh, into winners. And then, it, I'm not saying it becomes easier, but they know how to negotiate certain situations. They know how to win trophies. And hopefully, next season, they'll be able to negotiate European challenges as well. Matt Teller, always an absolute pleasure uh, to see your, <laughs> your face and your name popping up on the YouTube. A champion's state of mind. Hopefully, it's a champion's league state of mind next season as well. Now, Gary... I'm bringing this up, right, because it's something we mentioned at halftime. What is it with commentators, pundits, and their selective application of rules now? Of the four people on the screen, Sean will know a lot more about refereeing than the the rest of us because, um, obviously, he knows the rules inside out. If you were a commentator and you were going to make comments 
on specific decisions. You would hope, Liam, that the commentator knows the rules, right? Because some mm. of the things that they come away with uh, are incredible. You know, it's almost like, let's have a bit of sympathy. We don't want to ruin the game. Let's not send the guy off. Nonsense. Yeah, it's... I mean, you hear it in the... Not just in games themselves, but in the build-up as well. I mean, like last week, I remember hearing things like, oh, you know... Rangers are due a result against Celtic and, you know, Celtic have to lose eventually. I'm like, well, why? Why? What statistical or physical evidence do you have to back that up? None. Right? You know, the the James Webb telescope discovered a supermassive black hole last week that can apparently contain the mass of six million suns. I still think there's a bigger gap between us and Rangers than there is in that bloody black hole. I'll tell you that much. I thought there was a Michael Beals mole joke coming up there. Oh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Well, okay, let, let me put it in more simplistic, less, sci- less scientific terms, okay? The gap is bigger than Alfredo Morelos' arse. Let's leave it at that. Are you sure? <laughs> no, but going back to what Kev says about the gap, we're, we're not, and we've said this before on the show, we're not just talking about on the park. It is everywhere. It's throughout the club. You know, there's even if you take the financials, last week they're talking about getting serious money for Barkas. I mean, if we can get anything for Barkas and a Yeti and uh, a Smile of Sorrow, right, and all the other loanees are able to, to leave the club, you're freeing up, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds in wages, never mind bringing in a few million here and there for them. On top of that, you've got sell-ons coming in for Frimpong and Tierney, and apparently you're going to have another... Uh, clause payment for Ryan Christie as well coming in. And that's before you look at the budget we already set aside in the summer. So we hear about uh, rebuilds and all this kind of stuff, Kevin, right? If a team that, that is our, our biggest challengers this year have to go out and, and bring in eight, nine, ten, a dozen players, and I don't know how they're going to finance that, um, then again, there's no guarantee that they're all going to land. You know, this is a big thing about last season. And brought in a lot of players, but, you know, Virtually every single one of them made a positive contribution, but that is very unusual. It is, and you could maybe say that that's where Celtic got lucky last season that every single one of those signings came lucky. in. Lucky, there's that lucky man thing again. <laughs> a lucky man, but I'm going to flip that one and go. It wasn't luck; it was just really good recruitment, which we hadn't done in the past. Because I think if you look at some of the players we've signed, in hindsight especially, you look at them and you'll go, personality-wise, character-wise, they were never going to fit and never going to work. But every single one of the signings that Ange has made, you can tell from interview number one when they meet the press mm-hmm. that the character's there, the mentality's there, they're bringing strong personalities into the, an already strong dressing room. They're talented footballers, it, it's going to be an easier transition for them to fit in. And that's what Ange has done fantastically well. And that's where the gap on the pitch grows with every single signing that Ange makes. Because we've gone and we've taken a World Cup quarter-finalist or semi-finalist, whatever Juranovic was, and we've replaced him with someone that's even better. We've taken George's Giacomakis, who was a really good one-touch striker. And I think mm. we've replaced him with someone that's got the potential to be better than him in O. And you just know again that in the summer, we will go out and we'll strengthen. And we've got the money to do it. And as you say, there's a budget there already. Mm. There's one that's going to be added to with sell-ons from players that we'd sold three, four seasons ago. The money's there. When we did the rebuild at the start of last season, 
it was because we were selling players for big money as well. Ayer went for, what was it, 10, 12 million. Edward went for double figures as well. The money was coming in. Ange's only spent £6 million, I think, as a net spend in two seasons, which is crazy. Mm. There's no way that Rangers are going to be able to sell players for the amount that we brought in, and they're going to have to replace who they class as being their best players. There's no money there for them to do that, right? It's just not. The gap next season is going to be even bigger because they're going to have to spend a fortune. They're going to have to do... They're going to have to... I don't know. They're going to have to... I don't know what they're going to have to do. That's the thing. The money's just not there. It's they're not they're there. going to have to die chasing the dream again. Or they take a few seasons of being absolutely mediocre. And they won't do that. You just know they, won't, they won't do it. They won't do no. it. And that, that is the discussion. That is the massive discussion. We focus on what Celtic are doing. And obviously, uh, we're in this process under Ange Postacoglu, um, Sean. And you think, I remember the, all the discussions in the first season on Axom um, were around trying to retain the title. But I mean, at, at certain points, it was so tight. Um, you know, we had to win every single game. I had to go on an incredible run to win that title. This season's been slightly different in that he's then strengthened the team. So, you know, the, the reset, the refresh happened. He's now strengthened it and he can strengthen it again. That's incredible because I had said last week to the boys um, about the net spend of it's $6 because I hadn't looked at the figures. And that, that is with two big, big signings in Jota and Carter Vickers as well at the beginning <clears> of this <throat> season. The recruitment has been sensational. And um, even when, you know, we we lose Rogic and we lose uh, near Beaton and he brings in Moy and you think, all right, that's a bit of a curveball. But even that worked out. I mean, his recruitment has been superb. And if we were able to, even if we lose a player, and there is a likelihood this summer that we might lose what we class as a first-team player, um, and we bring in another four or five, then this squad domestically is going to be untouchable. It probably already is. Uh, and then you start looking at Europe, don't you? Oh, yeah, I hope so. Like, uh that's I think uh, Chris Davies was in the news this week saying that that was he basically said yeah we couldn't figure it out how to do in, how to switch from being a dominant team in Europe to being a counter-attacking a dominant team domestically to a counter-attacking team in Europe which was cool thanks Chris Davies for letting us remind us all that you failed and, and we suffered <laughs> through that um, but yeah but Ange I mean, these comments coming in about Ange's emotional interview, it's actually got me a little bit on edge. Like, uh, I know it's just my kind of negative mental attitude that, uh, to take this great day where we won the league for a second time and to, to kind of maybe misconstrue that as uh, emotional because he might be leaving. And I really hope it's not the reason. Because um, I, I, I've not thought that before now, but just he's normally quite stoic. So to hear that he's emotional kind of has me on edge a little bit. Um, not today, Sean. Not today. No, 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 no. Because, <laughs> like, before up till now, he does. He has very much been gearing up to Champions League, and it does seem to be that's. And I hope he's just just getting the emotion of just today's occasion, and there's nothing more to read into it. Uh, but uh, it's going to be. I'm enjoying it tonight, and I'm going to enjoy it for the next uh, four weeks, and hopefully, I'll be celebrating a treble on the the third of June. It's incredible, and again. We, we always go on about the, the trebles, Liam. Um, mm. Imagine, you know, you started going to the games about six years ago or you started going to the games and, uh, you know, the season that we, we won the first of the nine and you're looking at trebles and it's, ah, sorry, we, we won four on the bounce. 
but it's just <laughs> not that easy. I mean, we're, go- we're going for a world record eighth. Um, we'll approach that game, Liam, as we always do, with the utmost respect for the opposition. And by the way, yeah. you hear that from Ange, even when he's talking about Rangers. We can have a laugh on here and disrespect certain players. I mean, I don't know how you're going to describe the, the gap next season if it gets any wider, by the way. But, <laughs> but I'll Ange- think of something. <laughs> Ange is always ultra respectful of the opposition. He always is. And we know when we, we're facing Inverness Cali that that will be the case and we'll, we'll approach it professionally. But we've got a, we've got four games where um, I don't know if you think any jerseys are up for grabs, but we've got four games when you're looking at people like, oh, if you come on, score a goal, make an impression. Moy came on, made an impression. I thought Haxabanovich looked um, fresh, although I've not been impressed with a couple of his starts recently. Um, so is it a case now over the next four four uh, games, Liam, where there's going to be a competitive edge anyway? Because people want to put themselves uh, in the short window, if you like, for the cup final selection. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know... I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks since it's been obvious that, you know, today was the day we were probably going to win the league. Um, and, you know, I'll get slated for it in the comments. I would I would play a second string next week. League's one. It's a meaningless fixture. And uh, it's a chance for players to go out and stake a claim at the most hostile venue they're going to play at in their whole Celtic career. And, uh, you know... If we lose that game, it's like, oh, well, it was a reserve team. But if we win it, just imagine the the banter, as they say, is going to go into overdrive, right? I, I really, I don't see it any way that that's a, that's, a, that's a losing scenario for us. Just Are we talking Burnaby or are we talking Mitchell Frame? What level of back? I'm, ta- I'm talking like, I'm talking like youth players. I'm talking like a full on, like our first 11 do not play, right? Just... Mm. A second string team because we know they're going to be out to try and kick us because they're going to be angry their fans as pathetic as it is they're going to demand that the team show some fight and spirit which basically means kick the nearest Celtic player as hard and as often as you can um, and really our team we should we should be looking at the cup final now as the only meaningful game left this season and all focus should be on that and I think we should protect our players from what is going to be some out-and-out thuggery next week that the referee is probably not only going to tolerate but actively encourage. It's going to be a very interesting encounter because, as you say there about the, the thuggery, I, listen, I don't disagree with that in the slightest, but the actual atmosphere as well, Kevin, you know, going into that mm-hmm. into that um, cauldron. Uh, we've already spoken about the safety issues, our safety concerns, the Celtic fans, for fans, players, staff, referees, you know, is anyone safe? And you're going into, you're going into that situation. And um, actually, John, the van driving legend, still a driving god, <laughs> do you think Scotland's youngest club will give us a guard of honour? There's no chance that's happening. There is no chance. I mean, they wanted us to walk through a little arch that said, old firm on it, right? So that there was a picture mm-hmm. of Celtic and Rangers both walking through almost an acceptance that we are uh, part of this charade. You know, I, I, I maybe wouldn't go as far as what Liam's saying. I'd maybe do something like wearing that away jersey that we wore against St Mirren and just, you know, <laughs> don't, don't, don't wear the hoops. Don't wear the hoops. <laughs> wear the third kit. Um, how do you see it going, Kevin? Because it's, it's a fair comment, you know, but we don't want to wrap people up in cotton wool, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure they'll be out and, um, you know, you know a lot of the players, that there's probably 
ongoing kind of like feuds, maybe in their heads. Mm-hmm. You've got the Barisic situation. You've got the goal scorer today, Cantwell, and a few others who really don't like us that much. And uh, you never really know what you're going to get from them. But the hostile atmosphere, how do you approach it? I'm going to say, I think we know what Angel will do. He'll play strongest team. Yeah, I think he will. You know, that's Ange through and through. He'll play strongest team probably in every game until the end of the season. As much as we'll want him to rest some players and give some of the fringe boys a chance, Ange says he doesn't rest players. You rest in the summer. So, excuse me. Yeah, I reckon he'll. Uh, I reckon he'll go with a full strength team. I would probably agree with that. To be fair, because I don't want to give them any inch, any inch at all. If they win that game next weekend, that will give them something to kind of cling on to for next season. If we go there and scalp them, or just beat them 1-0, offside goal, don't care, just win the game, get the three points, that buries them again. But there is a concern, though, there's big concerns, because they'll have folks like Scott Arfield, they'll be absolutely itching to play, to go out and kick somebody. Like Kyogo will get put up in the air, just like he did in the in the Cup semi-final. Last the angry goalie. Uh, he'll be out there. You know how that game's going to go before it kicks off. You need a really strong referee to boss the game right from the start. I don't think we've got one in Scotland that's big enough for the game. So there's big concerns that it could turn nasty pretty early on and that's that's how they'll want to play the game. I've just got to hope that we go there. Whatever team Ange puts out, I think it'll be his first strength team. But whatever one he does, we just turn up and we play football. And if we play football, we'll win the game. It doesn't matter how rough house they want to play us. Celtic on form playing football will win any game in Scotland. You've got to say, Liam, right? As as unique as your idea is, by the way, and I know the thinking and the thought process behind it, that game we were talking about where Celtic go out and click and win four, five, six, nine, it would be good if it was next week. Yeah, I mean, aye, absolutely. But the the thing is that, you know, to touch on what I, what I said about the team and also what you, what you said about the Guard of Honour, right? I know you were kind of joking when you said it, but if it was any team other than Sevco, would it even be a debate? You know, we would automatically rest players because the league's won, right? Yeah. <laughs> the opposition would automatically give us a Guard of Honour because that is the dignified thing to do. Um, but because it's them, somehow we're supposed to not play by normal rules. Um, no, I'm sorry, I just don't buy into it. I really don't. I think I don't think we should treat the game with any sort of significance because it isn't significant now. Um, I, and I, I think they should just do the decent thing and give us a guard of honour because you know, if the hand was on the other, if you know, if, if the shoe was on the other foot, they would be demanding that we do it for them. Mm-hmm. You know it. Right, yeah. you just know it. So, no, Celtic, Celtic will no doubt maintain a dignified silence about that during the week. There'll be headlines. They won't do it. And you know what? We just go out there and beat them, and it doesn't matter because they are the, they're only showing themselves up for what they are. Yeah. Now, Sean, I'm still thinking about those crow's feet that you described earlier. <laughs> um, how, how, do you, how do you play it? Because, again, we've got the four games to go before the cup final, which is the big, most important game. I, I totally get what Liam's saying there uh, in terms of the significance of this game next week. Um, Ange has got his views on, on resting players, etc., etc. You've got a few guys there who probably came on as a sub who might want to look at. You know, Abad has not played much football recently. Um, does he throw his hat in for the cup final by playing a, a few good games in the lead up 
I don't know. Um, but again, when that team lineup comes out an hour before kickoff, I don't think there'll be major um, raising of the, the eyebrows. What do you reckon? Um, personally, I play full strength team um, because we're going to be facing a Sevco B team from based on today's lineup. From what I've seen, we're not going to be facing their strongest team, so I'll play a full strength team and try and put a psychological blow on them and to build on your idea Paul about wearing the third kit I think that the players should go out for their 30 to 40 minute warm up wearing the champions t-shirts that they want to be selling at the Parkhead Superstore <laughs> oh I love that you imagine the best example of 45,000 oh. of them oh. <laughs> the place we go to Meltdown the, the best one was um when we won the double in 77 and the, the Scottish Cup final was against Rangers at Hamden, um, they got the tracksuits made up with league winners 1977 behind it so that every Rangers player in the tunnel just saw that, we've won the league, we've won the league as we ran out to, to beat them again in the Scottish Cup. So listen, it's been it's been absolutely fantastic. As I say, you know, we're, we've got Kevin in from Hungary, Liam from Japan and Sean in from Australia and that just shows you what Celtic are all about. There's going to be celebrations. I don't know if they're going to be Naples-style celebrations all over the world. World because we've just won our 53rd trophy. And by the way, see when we have won 54 and we're about to win our 55th, I, I just can't wait to see the kind of humour and the tact and the unique way that the Celtic fan base approaches that because there is always something. Uh, that I mean, even the other day there with the, the video clip getting shown on uh, on the telly on the BBC and the Celts are here, guys, you know, took the £200 payment for the fact that it was their video and they set up a GoFundMe. I mean, you see how much that's sitting at for the food banks in Glasgow. Mm. It's like yeah, seven it's grand. Ten grand. It's unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. unbelievable. So you've got, have I got news for you using a clip and these guys have been creative enough and charitable enough to think, how can we turn this into something good? And 10 grand, unbelievable. So that's what it's all about. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. About 800 strong on the live stream. I'm sure a few more will tune in later after you've celebrated at the full-time whistle. Um, it's a, always an absolute pleasure to be joined by these guys. So thank you to Kevin, Liam, and Sean. And if you want to come and see Axon live, we Jackie, who knows a thing or two about winning leagues, will be joining us at the end of this month. few tickets available. Link underneath the video. Thanks, everybody, for joining and supporting a Celtic state of mind. Network.